tell you about Indian and Cowboy? Just explain what it is. Indian and Cowboy is an independent. Uh, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of things. I. Indian and Cowboy is an independent indigenous media media network that that doesn't like it's it's <laughs> there's a lot of things we're gonna do I I I should have written this down Indian and Cowboy is a website it's it's a platform it's it's an indigenous podcast network committed to telling indigenous stories for the world to hear guided by our ancestors driven by community and fueled by the love of the land <laughs> okay I'm gonna do this again hold up it's 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 a celebration of story. Indianandcowboy.com is a is a platform that celebrates indigenous stories. And our stories are our nationhood. And our nationhood is our sovereignty. And that's what Indian and Cowboy is. So tonight we have a bit of a special episode because Molly wasn't actually able to join us in studio. Um, as you know, Métis in Space are from the future. Um, and if you didn't know that, you will know that, or you already knew that, and perhaps you forgot. Um, so Molly actually was called back to the year 2225 to negotiate peace talks between the upsettlers of Mars and the Miopimatsuman uh, Iunuak. So basically, she's there uh, because I think the upsettlers who move to Mars are not doing so well, and they have need of things like uh, toilet paper plants and space blankets. Um, so Molly, for the rest of this show, is going to be joining us via vocal communication transmission authorized by the shady corporate pan-global information intertransfer digital hive, manned, hive mind overlords. Wow, that's a mouthful. Basically, I have her on Skype, but in the future, they don't have Skype. They have really long names for everything. That is the English translation of the super long Cree word, which honestly, I just couldn't pronounce and you wouldn't have understood anyway. So, uh, so yeah, so you're going to be hearing her uh, Skyping in on that futuristic transmission. Welcome to Otpem Suesquewak, Kitsigisigog, Metis in Space. Chelsea Valnitsigason. Molly Swainitsigason. Mantusakaignik Nitotsin. Welcome to our eighth episode. Woo, lucky number eight. I know, it's great. Every episode, I am excited. Every episode past one is even better than the next. It's, 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 it's exponential joy, right? So it's like 10 times as awesome. I mean, that's assuming that we're, we're using like a base 10 system, but you know, the Mayans used a base 20 system. So I think we should, you know, decolonize your base systems. Yeah, maybe it's like 400 times cooler yeah. than the last one. Yeah, exactly. Why not? All your base are belong to indigenous based system <laughs> there we go there we go okay right. great wait look we mathed again i know another math our math is incredible yeah like wait until we trigonometry tri- trig tree tree trigonometry I, i'm still i'm still working on doing arithmetics so 
I think we should, you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Right, right. Um, but, you know, two or three episodes from now, we'll yeah. be exponentially better at the maths. There so. we go. But according to the base 20 system, because here we are, we're decolonizing our math. We're relearning it, but through an indigenous point of view. How about you uh, intro Indian and Cowboy, Molly? Yeah, right. So uh, you may or may not have noticed if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook or know us at all or do anything that involves us or listen to us. Which you should. uh, (laughs) Recently joined uh, Indian and Cowboy Media Productions, uh, which is a super cool and awesome um, indigenous-run grassroots media organization, essentially. It's brand spanking new. I think it debuted on October 6th. Yes. So you were one of the first probably to enjoy its offerings uh and yeah check us check us out on the indian and cowboy website at indianandcowboy.com along with all of the other totally awesome podcasts that are on there and we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end uh so thanks indian cowboy for hosting us and also let's get some more podcasts going i know that uh you know there's definitely space for more uh exponential growth let's do it let's decolonize uh the the exponential growth of podcasts make it 400 times what it is now by next year we're gonna have 400 times the podcasts podcasts about everything podcasts about cheesy jokes that your family tells those oh, in jokes i love those right love hear that. other families in jokes and yeah. stuff also like the stories behind the in jokes yeah are usually even funnier right right yeah. talk about like you know things that you like to do fixing up old harley davidson's you know like uh how do you how do you decolonize your relationship with like the indian motorcycle for example you can be like yo i love the indian motorcycle but i'm a little conflicted because it's called an indian you know like let's have some podcasts all about you fixing up your indian motorcycle and like telling us how that goes and you know like just yeah. like let's hear it too and then Everything. we can be guests and you can take us out for a spin on your motorcycle that would be great you could record me screaming right just like we do ask a Mooney Owl, you, you could be like take a scared little girl for a ride yeah. you know that'd be great uh also i'm just gonna put this out here now because i think I, this needs to be established non-dudes podcast mm-hmm. let's do the thing yes like chelsea and i are not willing to be the token not dudes yeah on Indian and Cowboy, and uh, I think basically we're just waiting for people to to step up and do the thing. So like, if yeah. you have an idea, like let's have a Mean thing. Girls podcast. Let's have a, a Mean Res Girls podcast where we just sit there and like you choose like the asshole of the week and you just you just tear them apart. It you know to the point where they're torn apart in the spirit world even. Yeah. Like that, you know, all those, you're sitting there hanging out with your friends, just being awful and, and, and laughing and cackling the way you do. Let's just like, I, I'd like, I, I'd, I'd listen to that, man. Yeah. Just, you know, like all of, all of the totally, you know, burn book material, Yeah. record it and put it on the internet for everybody to know about. Yeah. Let's just, let's, let's make that a And thing. also bring us on guests as guests on that too, because yeah. we have lots of material. Nah. <laughs> just kidding. We love our indigenous men. Yeah, Totally. Totally. We like talking about it. Okay, so what do we do, Molly? Um, that is a great question, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> we do many things on the podcast. Um, so basically, the way that this is set up is we uh, drink a bottle of wine. Um, we watch a thing, uh, usually a sci-fi episode or movie that has something to do with indigenous people or indigeneity. Um, then we, and we, you know, write notes frantically on everything (laughs) that happens. Um, and then we sit down and we, we talk about the thing Mm -hmm. 
And then, of course, to, to kind of cap it all off, um, we asked the most important demographic for science fiction, the, the white man, um, in our Ask Munio section. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit. And this, this review podcast may or may not actually contain pot. Podcasts? No, it definitely this contains podcasts. Contain reviews, podcast. right? May or may not contain reviews. Yeah. Although that would be kind of cool if suddenly the podcast no longer contained a podcast. Well, I mean, it's getting pretty close to Halloween. What if some right. like spirit just like just sucked away the podcast? The it was like a black hole, but for podcasts, like yeah. a digital black hole that you got sucked into as well. You lose your voice. As the podcast is sucked away. Yeah. And like you fly through space and suddenly there's this floating door. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're getting... Should I go through this door? Are we getting... Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. All right. Uh, so to introduce the wine of this evening, which we, uh, we've, been, we've begun posting pictures, just in case you're interested, because I, I, I'll be honest, even though, you know, we... Uh, we may come across as very cultured wine connoisseurs. Uh, quite often, I just pick the wine based on what it looks like and it, you know it not being too cheap because I can't stand having really cheap wine that makes me hungover for three days after. So, uh, so this one is really cool because it's got these cute little red ants on the label. It's called Formiga. Uh, but it's got this like cheesy Vintrasec thing like label on the bottom, and 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 I saw a few more of these. This is some sort of like, I don't know, series of wines. I was a bit like eh about that, but but the ants got me. And when you uncork it, the cork has has ants on it. You have to stab through an ant with the corkscrew to yeah. get it open. Yeah, it was a bit sad. I know. I felt a bit bad about like, that. A, a stamp of an ant was destroyed to bring you this podcast this evening like yeah shout out to that little image of an ant sorry sorry. about that uh so this is a 2010 and i'm not really sure what the heck kind of wine it is it says priorat doq uh i don't know it seems to be a mixture and uh it's this is all in french and it's not even that particularly interesting so I'm just going to tell you that it's a sweet wine. It's about a two, I'd say. And uh, it's it's basically, it's named after uh, the ants that used to uh, crawl all over the the vines, basically, you know? Yeah, so, that, that, you know, that doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence as to the, the quality of the wine. Yeah, I'm assuming it's sweet because there are ants in the wine. Yeah. Their sweet little bodies have, have like, yeah, sweet mm. little bodies. Yum. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Like, much you know our daily intakes of you know things like nitrogen proteins (laughs) and and all the other good things that ants have to contain obviously you know something delicious it also explains why it's crunchy it is a little crunchy it's got some nice sediments at the bottom Mm. uh yeah so that's that's the wine we're drinking you know what this is going to become all the rage with the yuppies though in a few months people are going to be like oh yeah have you tried the ant wine yeah wine's really good for you it's got all these antioxidants and yeah, and if you like, like yeah, <laughs> you have to like shoot the sediment at the end, which is like all yeah. the all the like <laughs> the exoskeletons of the crushed ants. That's like how you know you're like really one with nature. <laughs> so you gotta shoot the shoot the exoskeletons. Okay, so uh, the episode. Oh, I'm really excited about this because um, yeah. So we watched the old Twilight Zone today. Uh, Molly has never seen it before. Nope. Um, and I had kind of forgotten about it basically like i i grew up with this kind of stuff and so really really super excited um the episode's only like 20 minutes but our episode's probably going to be like an hour anyway uh so we watched this is from 1963 season 5 episode 10 and it's called the seventh is made up a 
of phantoms. So here's the description. Three National Guardsmen explore the site of Custer's last stand and encounter mysterious phenomena that hint at the original battle occurring just out of sight. Yes, it's so good. And of course... It doesn't take place at twilight. No. Uh, and it's never really, the zone is never really demarcated. Oh, you don't understand, man. Um, the zone is such a, it's a metaphor for so many things. No, no. Like, what, what kind of things? Oh, man. Didn't you hear the great references? It's like, it's like you're in a reading room named the Twilight Zone. Like, yeah. What? You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. Ah! A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind, right? So it's like the Twilight Zone is everything. It's time. It's space. It's crushed ants and wine. It can be anything. It's a stand-in for anything, man. Just go through the door. So it's it's literally so meaningful that it's meaningless. That it has no more meaning, That's which right. means that it's, it's the most meaningful. Exactly. This is meta, Yo. right? Cheers. <laughs> Okay. Right. So, okay, second episode in a row that mm-hmm. there are no ominous flutes. No ominous flutes? You know, this is really weird. Every single episode of anything that we'd watched before this, there were no ominous flutes. And when there weren't, uh, but there were still other tribal musics. Yeah. Right? No, it opens with the ominous drums. Yeah, ominous drums. Yeah. Uh, like kettle drums or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, there's, so there's. Yeah, not quite a timpani. Yeah. But like, yeah. kind of a weird drum. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Wait, it wasn't, no, but it wasn't supposed to be, like, it also wasn't supposed to be, like, an army No, it wasn't a cavalry. It was definitely tribal drums. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I've got ominous drums plus a cowboy, U.S. Marshal guys. Yeah, so, yeah, these are, yeah, these are two cavalry soldiers on their horses with fantastic mustaches. Three different types of mustaches here. You got, like, the long, straight, almost, like, not quite Fu Manchu, but, like, definitely long and trying for it. You got the sort of, like, the Tom Selleck. And then, uh, and then the scout had more of like the Buffalo Bill, you know? Yeah. I mean, but it, it all seemed like the scout was kind of like 1964 fashionable mustache. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, you know, and he was wearing the fringe jacket. jacket. Yeah. yeah. He looked good. Also the marshals, I don't know what it is, but it's like U.S. Army circa the late 1800s is always wearing the big gloves. Yeah. And I don't know what's up with those big white gloves. I don't know. You know? Did they all wear that or just like... Like the, I don't know. The important dudes. I don't, I don't probably, know. Probably just the officers. That's, it's just like, that was the only thing that told me to like who these people were was like the big white gloves. Yeah. Like, oh yes. US Army. Yeah. It was the gloves. Yeah. The outfit was kind of, but, but it was the mustaches yep. just being like way beyond seventies porn stash to something all together different. And, and yeah, the gloves. You're right. I think yeah. that that is weird. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they ride up on those drums. And they ride up to beside a TV, and yeah. they're looking at you know the the guide is you know kicking over the fire, being like, oh, this fire's still all smoky, and you know they've been here three or four hours past. Right. You know they're scouting. Yeah, and uh, and he's like, right over there is is where the Bighorn and the Little Bighorn rivers meet, and so you're like, ooh, ah, you know, Bighorn. Bighorn. I've heard of that. Place. I know the little. I've heard of Bighorn or the Little Bighorn. This is tweaking something in my brain. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the cavalry guys are like. Uh, them sue wonder where they are now and uh and then <laughs> arrow in the back yeah it's like this indian trail is almost a little too fresh yeah and just like <laughs> yeah sorry right scout right in the back and it's this beautiful long like what What do you think that was like a meter long it was huge arrow it was striped it was, striped. It it was, was like, 
Yeah. It was weirdly striped. It was really interesting. The, the arrow was beautiful. I wanted to look at the arrow a bit more. And and of course, like like I said, this is black and white, so we no idea if there was like if it was colored striped or just whatever. It was yeah. it was striped. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're transported to a tank where there's three National Guardsmen doing maneuvers. And uh, and when the when the when the scout gets shot in the back, the two cavalry guys go and like shoot, right? And so you hear the rifle crack uh, as you see the tank. So it's a little, you know, it's a little it's, disorientating. Yeah, really, really disorienting. Yeah. yeah, disorienting. Like, I was feeling really discombobulated. And then they start doing the army talk thing. Yeah. And which I honestly, it took, like, I could really barely understand what mm. these army dudes were saying. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's like those, you know, they're using weird baseball metaphors. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You, y'all and your tank are getting struck out by the umpire. And yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Did this make sense in the 60s? I, I think that's Is just. Is still what goes on in the army? Uh, maybe. I, I I think that sports metaphors and and uh, and war go hand in hand, right? Because I mean, like, that makes a lot of sense. isn't weren't sports originally just basically like maneuvers on the field? Like it was, it's a way to to like you know play at tactics, right? Like yeah. martial tactics, well, right? Yeah, and then you know stuff like lacrosse was used to settle disputes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That kind of thing. So, yeah. So I think I think it fits, sense. right? And then we don't get it because we have boobs. <laughs> I, I think that's probably how that works. Yeah, right? Yeah, the boobs do. the boobs cause us to not get sports metaphors or war. Yeah. Hell, hey. you know, forget that maybe, you know, some of our women were warriors, but, you know, whatever. Well, what even is sports? I don't sport. Sports I, and maths, man. Oh, man. This stuff confuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just drink our wine. And talk about the young blonde boy. Yeah. Who never wore a hat. You know, like, okay, so there's these three guys that are on maneuvers, and uh, the two the two guys are a bit older, and they're always wearing their helmets. Um, you know, like, they're, they're artillery men, right? So they got their helmets with the, the big, uh, like, ear covers, I don't, know, I don't know, to protect them from their heads exploding when they fire their tank. But but the rakish young kid, like he's he's young, man. Yeah, and, he looks like a, he looks like one of those you know like draft draftees who's actually like fourteen. Right, right. So he but he's always sweeping the thing off of his head, you know, and just so you can see his blonde hair, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's boyishly roguishly yeah. young. Yeah, and yeah. he's and he's a bit of a he's a bit of an innocent and a dumbass. He's obviously new, so they're ribbing him a bit. But uh, yeah, they get spooked by the sound. They hear it and they want to go investigate. And then, so I, I called that first scene, I called it A, right? Where you've got the cavalry soldiers, and then B is the tanks, and then A and B collide, because as they go to investigate, they see a wigwam! Yeah, except it's a teepee. <laughs> it's a teepee, but... But it's an honest to Pete wigwam! Yeah. And, like, they just keep saying wigwam yeah. so often that you're like... Wait, are they fucking with us? Yeah, it was weird. But later on, they say teepee. So yeah. it was just like this kid called it a wigwam, and they were like, yeah, kid, that's yeah, an Indian you, wigwam. You called that a wigwam. Oh, like, way to go. Slap on the back. Yeah. You're so cute. Um, and then they find a 7th Calvary water canteen, and we find out that it's been 80 years since uh, Custer's Last Stand. I always know it as the Battle of Little Bighorn, but I, yeah, they know it as Custer's Last Stand, yeah. I guess, right? So yeah, they they find this water canteen that doesn't look very worn. It's still got water in it, and it says very distinctly Seventh Calvary. And yeah, and it looks totally fine. And you know, uh, you know, you find out that it's like Custer's Last Stand, and the the kind of one guy, what's his name, Langsford. 
who's yeah. kind of like the skeptic. Yeah, he's the, the skeptic. Lang for, yeah, yeah. He goes, Custer who? And so like then we get like a whole big We get the history lesson. Yeah. Custer is. And Which thing. is kind of cool because I think as, you know, one thing that this show throughout the thing, you know, you got people who, who know about uh, the history of this battle and then you have a lot of people who don't know anything about it. And and so I think like the audience at the time also, you can't, you can't count on them having that information, right? I mean, that's okay. I get that. But it seemed like... 60% of the episode was devoted to people being like, Custer, Custer who? Oh, well, let me tell you all about Custer and the seventh and mm-hmm. the brave seventh. And this is exactly how this went down in this particular order. And so that's how we're doing it. And let me explain this all to you again. Yeah. So, yeah. It was very focused on the history, the specific yeah. like movements of the troops, because I mean, these were, yeah. these were army guys, right? So they talk about, uh, you know, more detail than I even know about the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they, they split over here, and then he went right up the Rosebud. Um, so, yeah, there were, there were, but the whole thing was about military maneuvers, I mean, right? It's, it's so, true, but, like, I, it also made me wonder, like, how much of this are they making up? Like, is this all historically accurate? You know, they talk about, you know, then Major Reno saw the smoke signals, and then Major oh, yeah, Reno yeah. found the village, and then an hour later, Major mm-hmm. Reno engaged in the battle, you know? Yeah. It just seemed like... Well, it's definitely part of the myth, right? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's been mythologized. It, 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 I know for a Big fact time, it yeah. has been, right? But it's interesting because, yeah, you're, you're saying, like, these specific things that they mention, it only works if they actually happened, right? And if we're imagining that space and time have sort of collided and, and have merged over. And it, so those things had to happen in fact, not just in, like, people's retelling of it. Um, so they're accepting it as fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely, like... It's very much focused on, uh, I mean, they, they seem to have some sort of admiration for the Sioux as, as just like um, being a really martial people who, you know, who completely overpowered Custer. But, you know, it's the whole thing. It was like, oh, yeah, 200 guys against 2,000 Sioux. You know, like, it's definitely about like, you know, he calls it a massacre and stuff. It's it's really from like the white people's perspective. Yeah. 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 No, that's it's very much about like reifying white narratives of history yeah um oh and then that the skeptic guy was such a creeper too he was like uh oh you know i don't i don't care i don't know that much about history anyway oh you guys you're so smart and you know i'd rather be at a saloon or or uh hanging around the ywca yeah we're Uh, we're like oh man creeper yeah he was was a bit creepy and then he's all like why don't you get a job at a museum yeah which is like the the thing that i found your book learning is like yeah <laughs> yeah cool oh, man. yeah but the thing that i found great about this episode was and maybe it's just because the last two things that we watched were just so bad yeah but this episode was refreshingly devoid of the really stereotypical outward racism that we've come to associate with a lot of science fiction portrayals yes. of indigeneity yeah like there's there wasn't the noble savage and there no. wasn't the savage savage yeah and there wasn't the kind of steam valve super racist white guy mm. who's kind of like saying all the things that like people's white dads would say yeah you know and you're like you're supposed to not like him but you're kind of supposed to understand yeah where he's coming from kind of deal even the creeper as as they yeah. get on he never he never comes out and says like oh we gotta we gotta kill all those red men you know yeah, th- yeah that never came out and it yeah. totally could have yeah. it really could have yeah yeah it was like it was surprisingly respectful at least like the surface. Yeah. It was it was surprisingly respectful. Like, you know, when you got down to how the episode like played out, it kind mm. of got a, it was bit a bit odd. messed up. But um Mysterious Wind Blows. Yeah. I liked, spooky wind. I liked the spooky wind. But okay, but this is this is to me where this started to to kind of point to like what the episode was was doing mm-hmm. in terms of like I think this is how the racism played out in this episode. 
was, you know, you know, we talked about how this is, you know, the second thing we've watched that is all about Indians and there's not a single mm-hmm. Indian in it. Right. And so instead they use all of these different natural kind of forces signs yeah. to kind of point to the presence yeah. of indigenous people and the spooky wind you get the ominous drums, you get the spooky wind and it's all these things that are like kind of vaguely threatening. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. All, of the, all of the army guys are like kind of huddling a bit closer. Yeah. They, they get really, pop their collars. Like, Ooh, yeah. Wind. They got the creeps. Yeah. The creeps. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, one thing that you have to understand about this episode is you never see Native people. You never see the Sioux. The only thing you see is the arrows going, you know, you see the empty teepees. Um, yeah, you see a few things and, you, and more you hear things, but they're never like, what did you call that? They're, they're oh, like, the present absence. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was a little bit, for me, that made it creepier. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it made it creepier though, because I was like, oh, like the those people are gone. They've passed. All, so all of those people yeah. have passed on. They're not, you know, so these are, these are spirits. Right. But I think it creeped them out. Um, because it was just like, it was just around the corner. Right. Like yeah. I think it creeped them out in a, in a different way. Like the characters in there. Yeah. yeah. Totally. But I was, yeah. I was creeped out. Yeah. No, it's I, like, I think it pointed to that settler anxiety of, mm. you know, this kind of deep realization that you're, you're not, you know, this isn't your land. Yeah, the danger no, of the land. Your place. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that. How they kept because the, the mysterious wind came up a few times, and they got really creeped out. And I'm like, right, like a lot of people are scared of nature, like mm-hmm. because you know, like they they believe in I don't know what it whether it's superstitions about spirits or or vengeful natives or like actual natives they're going to meet around the bend or or what it is, but like that thing about being like really scared of natural forces is just really weird to me. Right, like. Well, I mean, I think it, I think it points to kind of the construction of whiteness as being really juxtaposed against indigeneity, mm-hmm. because indigenous people are never ever scared of nature. Yeah. You know, like we talk to the bears. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. You know, we go into trances and talk to trees, right? Or like whatever it is that. I, this is not. We're not saying this on. is true. Like no, we're saying because this, this is kind of like the white the we, white construction yeah, of indigeneity. We get scared as shit out there sometimes. Yeah. You know, like I've totally freaked myself out in the woods. You know, oh, listen, yeah, you know, totally, yeah. so we do it too, but we're like, I, I feel like I'm afraid of things that I know of. Like I'm afraid of running into a bear and pissing it off. I'm running, I'm, I'm afraid of running into a running moose. Oh, no, that is my biggest moose. fear. Hell yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the thing is white people are never scared of running into moose. No, because they don't understand how fucking dangerous like, moose are. Its face is funny looking. Oh my God. You know, like, I would face a bear against a moose any day. Oh, yeah. Like I've seen those things like just attack a fucking school bus like they're they're insane during that season yeah no yeah let's yeah anyway so you got the spooky wind and the spooky wind you know is is a Mm stand-in for indigenous people like everything yeah in this episode is a stand-in but it's i just find it really interesting that they do that because this is also another episode where a lot of those common tropes that we've seen just aren't there yeah you know the bear there was no bear wait we have to bring bear in okay uh you know, please come into this show. We said that you're always going to be here. We didn't see you in the show, um, but we have you in our mind while we're recording. Please yeah. don't bite us in the ass. Yeah. All right. Cool. There we go. Can you ask me then? There was uh, the kid wants to go back to the tank, and then there's war whoops. You kind of hear like faint war whoops, and they're like, yeah. "What was that? Oh, it was the wind." Right? Yeah, yeah, it's coming from thin air. Right. 
Yeah, and so then then it pans over to uh, a dude with very bushy eyebrows who and great style. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. Oh yeah. And he's the thing that really got me that I immediately noticed is he's standing there. You know, he's got this like kind of thin tie. He's got good hair. He's got this like nice looking suit, and he's got a burning cigarette. Yeah, he's so flash. But he's man. just like casually holding, it, and you never see that anymore on TV. No, well, of you course not. Never smoke on TV. Yeah, no, you have to watch old old movies to watch yeah. people smoke on TV. I'm, but that that's a recent tra- change. Like people yeah. were smoking on TV like not that long ago. No, no, it's super, it's super true, but it just, yeah. like, it... You're not used to it, yeah. surprised at, like, you know, how, you know, it's just so casual. It's just, like, he doesn't even smoke at it. No, he's just all. holding he just it while it. he's talking <laughs> yeah. in that cool Rod yeah. Serling voice. Yeah, totally. It's like he just, like, walked, walked into the, you know walked into the camera's view and which he does like, okay. he's always in the scene being the narrator and yeah. you never know like what his role is but but he's like yeah it's june 25th 1876 which i didn't actually know this happened in 1876 oh. like you know like i i have a real trouble with dates and stuff and remembering you know and and being able to know that this happened at the same time as this other thing in the world but like this is when the indian act was passed in in canada and i i guess i thought that this battle happened a lot earlier than that like this is that's yeah that's years? crazy. I was like, it's not 80, eighty years, years. yeah, like, it is. yeah, wild. That's not like I mean eighty years from nineteen sixty. This was it was supposed to be nineteen sixty four, but eighty years from that is not very long. But like so, the Indian Act was being passed at the same time that this happened. Like mm-hmm. this, I I thought like I thought I don't know. I thought Wounded Knee was like uh, like the retaliation for this was way long time ago like way 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 before canada yeah. even became a country like, i actually i wrote like find a 200 year old canteen and then had to cross it out and, and it, put 80 like 80 yeah, yeah 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 so that was so uh, again you know you were getting annoyed with the constant exposition about the history and stuff i kind of dug it i was like oh yeah you know because i didn't really know and like every, but I mean, you don't you don't really learn no you don't learn much, much. but but i learned i learned well this is a 20 minute episode I mean, right but you know the whole thing is just Custer, who's Custer? Or I seem to remember that name. That we're being like Custer was the yeah. general who was massacred. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's their, oh, their mythology. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Rod Serling does his thing, which is to give like some context and then mm-hmm. to add to the creepiness, which yeah. he does surprisingly well for a guy that's looking that slick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He I, is super I creepy. Surprised. He was very creepy. Yeah. Uh, so then it cuts back, and the guys in the tank are in trouble with their boss. Right. Their army boss. Yeah, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's a hard-ass captain or whatever. And he was like, you guys were gone so long. And, uh, you know, and, and but, you know, this pissed me off. It's like he kept making references to the guy being an alcoholic. Uh, Connors, you know, either are you hungover? Were you drinking? Yeah. Was there a bottle in that tank? And then he's, like, suggesting, you know, the guy's like, uh, oh, we heard rifle fire and went to check it out. And he's like, what are you talking about? You guys were drinking. And uh, the captain says, okay, look, I need you to tomorrow, get up at 6 a.m., go down Rosebud Creek. Uh, and he's like, that's Custer's route. Uh, you know, we, and, and then he like, he goes from just sort of like uh, not talking about it much to suddenly just being like, we heard Indians, war cries. Yeah. Uh, and he wants to show the guy the canteen, but he, but he forgot it in the tank or whatever. And, and his, uh, his captain's like, what are you trying to get a section a, which means like, is he trying to like be crazy and get, you know, shot out of the national guard. And then after that, there's all these jokes about his mental health. Right. Which yeah. uh, that was kind of it annoying. Was, yeah. It was like, kind of uncouth. 
yeah, like they, they jumped to like, you're an alcoholic or, uh, or, or you, you know, you're crazy or whatever. It was just, it was a bit offensive there. Yeah, but and then late, like later on, uh, Langsford, the skeptic is going, oh. oh, you know, like I must just be crazy. And, yeah. but you know, if I'm crazy and I have to go to a rubber room that I'm bringing you down with me and we're all just going to be nut, nut jobs in this rubber room. And it's yeah. Just like, this is where the men separate from the Nazis. Also, yeah. I thought he said Nazis at first, yeah, and then I'm like, no, no, no. He said Nazis, and he, and I'll send a pat, I'll send a padded tank or whatever. Like so. Yeah, but you gotta wonder if the term because nobody uses the term Nazis. Nazis, yeah, no. I wonder, like, you know, twenty or odd years after the end of the Second World War, you gotta wonder if that had the you know connotation of kind of Nazism or like the evil Nazis or, or something bad. Yeah, 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 it was weird. So there, there are portrayals of like mental illness and of. <laughs> substance abuse in this was 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 you know i don't know bizarre it seemed like a weird way to fill the conversation yeah basically yeah uh anyway so i I think that's just like a a thing from the 60s you know that we we don't that seems odd to us now you know as beings from you know the year 2000 a a time when we don't yeah people with illnesses (laughs) well i don't know some people are like yeah yeah, some illnesses where it's yeah yeah anyway so yeah so they cut back uh, oh, no, wait, yeah, wait. Oh, wait. He, he says, uh, this was the, the, the thing when he says about the grads. So oh, he yeah. tells him to go up the Rosebud Creek and he's like, no, 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 that was Custer's route or whatever. And uh, are you trying to act crazy? And he's like, um, look, if you do meet any Indians, this is the captain speaking, please take it slow because they're all college graduates and they're probably running tests on the soil. He and says this completely sincerely. Yeah. And we're like, What? This is how jaded we are. Yeah. Somebody actually is like saying something complimentary, like a white person is saying something complimentary about indigenous people on TV. And we were both like, you need to pause this and we need to talk about what this potentially means. We were yeah. trying to find ways yeah. that this was actually some kind of jab and we couldn't. No, we couldn't come up with it. Like, did he really mean like at first, like Molly was thinking maybe he's talking about like white people, like hippies pretending to be Indians who, you know, so they look Indian. So they're all college grads. So he doesn't actually mean that Indians are college grads. But I don't think so. I think he actually meant Native people graduating from college and doing tests on the soil. I'm not sure for what. I hypothesized, like, you know, around this time, like, you know, uh, during the Second World War and, and a bit after that, they did a lot of, like, nuclear testing and exploding bombs uh, more down in the south, uh, but on reserve land and stuff. So that's an issue. Maybe, maybe like, maybe these guys were testing. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm interested now. Yeah, like if if you're Sue and you're listening and you know, yeah, could you let us know like what this could potentially be referring to? Or was this some sort of like jab that we didn't get, some sarcastic yeah. remark we didn't get? Yeah, he honestly he just sounded so sincere. Like yeah. you you want to watch this episode just for that part yeah. because it I, the because like, 1963 it's, it's they're like oh yeah if you meet any indians they're all college grads and yet we watch you know episodes from like the 90s where nobody says shit like that there's no, no there's no uh you know indication that like that you're dealing with educated people it's just indians yeah. you know they're like still stuck in the past and all pissed off yeah like it's it's sad that we are so taken aback by this yeah that, that was you know like wait you can't mean that that we're actually educated doing intelligent things. Nah, that can't no. be what you mean. Yeah, it's got to be something else. Right? But yeah. I don't know. Should we just should we just assume? Should we just like take I'm going to take it at face value until I find out yeah. otherwise, yeah. Like yeah. that that was actually really nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, so um you know, they make that comment or whatever and they're sent back out to go up Rosebud Creek. And uh so they go back and they find the teepee and they now they're calling it a teepee, and they decide that it is definitely the same one that Major Reno found 
at Bighorn and Little Bighorn. It's definitely the same one. They don't actually have any evidence besides yeah. the fact that it's a TV that exists. Um, but, you know, they decide. And then they look over to the top of a hill. And what do they find? Smoke signals! Smoke signals! We, were, we both yeah. screamed it at the same time. Yeah, we've got it in caps here. Like, yeah, smoke same, signals! Yeah, and it was, because, like, yeah, I haven't seen that since, like, some old westerns, eh? It was, that was yeah. some pretty sweet smoke signals, man. Like, yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, the, the skeptic's like, no, no, that's an incinerator or someone cooking a steak or something. Yeah, yeah. but, like, you know, we could read those smoke yeah. signals. Yeah, it, it was like, it was like, <laughs> they were like, freaking send some, like, send something to eat over here, man. Mm. They, they don't even feed us. We're on set, and they don't even let us go on the camera. So if we're not on camera, we don't even get those little cucumber sandwiches they feed the actors. Yeah, we, we Help want us out. a steak. Yeah. No, man, we, we want a steak, yeah. and send some coleslaw. Yeah, all of that in, like, two seconds of smoke signals, man. I'm telling you, we got some skills, yeah. communication skills. Yeah. Cucumber sandwiches, though, man, don't eat that shit. No. Ask for something no, better. Dude. Yeah, get some meat in there. Yeah. Uh, or at least some hummus or something. Right. Um, so, yeah, then there's some more drumming. Uh, and some, like, then there's supposed to be sounds of war cries and hooves. Yeah, and, and a smoke, big, uh, big cloud of dust. Yeah, kind of like over the from, ridge. Yeah, over a ridge, and they're like, what's that? What's that? What's that? And, and he's explaining, young, young no, guy. before oh, he does that, he's yeah. explaining, so Connors, who's like the, the, the history buff, is like, it's all happening just like before. We found the teepee the night before, uh, you know, um, in the morning, there were smoke signals, and then uh, they kill they killed the last rider of, of this column, and then, you know, and then the, the big battle happens, right? So, uh, yeah, so then the young kid. Yeah, the young kid, so they, they you know, see all these, and the young kid spooks. And he shoots his rifle. They're on the tank still. So yeah. he's shooting from the he's tank. Sh- shooting from the tank and he shoots his rifle. And, you know, it just seems like he's shooting at the air because you can't actually see anything yeah. that he's shooting at. Uh, but you do see kind of like from around this hill runs this riderless pinto yeah. across the field. And he's killed one of these Sioux. Yeah, he, it, M- McCluskey gets himself an Indian. McCluskey's the, the, the blonde kid, right? And he looks all bashful and proud, right? He got yeah. himself an Indian. Yeah, and like the, the older, like his sergeant or yeah. he bagged an Indian. Yeah. And then, Oof. yeah, and then uh, Connors is like, oh, somehow we're following the same trail Custer did. And I was like, aren't, aren't, aren't they all really? Like, aren't all white people following that same trail? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so they decide that they need to find this battle and they're either going to stop or join the massacre. Right. And okay. So at this point I have a question to ask Mm, mm -hmm. that I wrote down because I have not seen the twilight zone before. So my question is, are the indigenous people that you never see in this movie monsters? Yeah. Well, they take the place of, monsters kind of yeah because twilight zone has a lot of these uh twilight zone does a lot of episodes where where people get stuck in the past or where time sort of bends and and so they're in the present but but acting out in the past so there's like there's a really uh one that really sticks with me is there's this guy in the city who ends up in a nazi concentration camp at the same time and and so stuff like that happens but it's not so much that they're it's it's that they're the the monsters but that that feeling that whatever fate is coming, it's predestined and inescapable. And that's always the case. I mean, they always try to get away from it, right? Or try to change history or change fate. But in the Twilight Zone, you never can because things are set, right? So 
the tension, the dramatic tension for me comes from the fact that he knows he knows exactly what happens and he's totally unable to change it in any way. So he's he's like he's riding to his fate, right? right? So, okay, so yeah, it's not okay because like when I was watching this, mm-hmm. I like it really reminded me of the way that a lot of Doctor Who episodes play out. Okay, where there's a monster, yeah, or like a horrible evil creature or evil being that you don't really see until the very end. Yeah, well, it plays on that, and, but I mean, you know, and that, because Indians are scary, yeah. right? Like, like the idea of like a whole bunch of Sioux. I mean, the Sioux are badasses, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you knew you were riding into a group of Sioux, I think you'd be scared. And there's, of course, that whole American fear of yeah. the West that still exists. I mean, it's why you have the Western genre. It's it's it, it's played out again and again and again. I mean, I'm sure that we're going to get another explosion of Western movies anytime soon because the Americans are freaking obsessed with that period of time. Mm-hmm. And it's their fear of nature. It's their fear of... Indians who are part of nature, right? They're not they're not a human force to contend with. They're a part of nature. Yeah. And so they're inescapable. You don't know what they're going to do. They're unpredictable and it's terrifying because you can't control nature. Thus you can't control Indians. Okay. Yeah, so it's a, that, it's that a natural force. Was, why right. is this supposed to be creepy? Yeah, no, it's that because like, you know, cuz it's just like it's some empty teepees that are like very badly constructed. Yeah, and they were terrible. Are wide open, you know? It's yeah. like yeah, it's all you see of them and I was like this is not scary. Yeah. You know, but I guess but you have you know, to, you have to, it's playing upon all of these like yeah, I think so. really intense, you know, fundamental anxieties yep. that come with being a citizen of a colonized nation state. Especially that makes a lot of sense. only 80 years later. Yeah. Right. So they're in this tank. Right. And, and so I got to say like, I love the tank. I'm digging the tank. My, my dad's dad somehow got his hands on a tank. Okay. So check Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Check this out. So my dad's dad, um, they, they lived in a place that just like, just off of the, the Enoch reserve, just on the very, very West end of Edmonton. And like, it wasn't part of the city then they could see the city from there. And, and, uh, so yeah, my, my grandfather got a tank. I don't know. I don't know the story of how he got it, but he put it in his yard of this little acreage and they had this neighbor that they didn't like. And so my dad as a kid would get in there and rotate the turret to point at the neighbor. <laughs> Can you imagine that shit now? Wait, so- so, so you're, what you're telling me is that your grandfather owned a tank. Yeah. It was like, oh, I mean, it was non-functioning. Like, he couldn't, like, I, I was... Like, I'm assuming it wasn't, like, it wasn't you couldn't, functioning. Like no, you couldn't, couldn't shoot no, you couldn't fire anything out of there, right? But but you could rotate the turret and, like, threaten your neighbors. That is ridiculous. <laughs> right? That, that should get you arrested now. But, like, yeah, so my dad played around on, on in a real tank as a kid. But you know what? That's actually really interesting uh, because... Um, I grew up near the Sutina Reserve, mm-hmm. and uh, the Canadian Army did mm-hmm. artillery drills right. on that res, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on that res land. Yeah. So, like, maybe, you know, maybe somebody kind of left a tank around the area or something. And he picked it up. Yeah. And that, and, you know, that's that's really the thing, too, about this is, like, the amount of military, um, like, maneuvers that take place. I mean, all military maneuvers taking place you know, in North America, in the Americas, period, are on indigenous land. Yeah. But more than that, they made a point of going on reserve, right? How many how many military bases were carved out from expropriations from reserves? I mean, that's still an issue with a lot of nations, oh, right? Yeah. That they're trying to get that, that land back. But it was like, they took all their nasty experiments and all their like weird maneuvers 
to a different country, right? They wanted to pretend that they were in a different country. So they went on the res and did all this shit and dropped all these, you know, put these mines, you know, did all these weird like nuclear tests and experiments and shit like that and just left the devastation for the Indians in that other country. Yeah, well, right? it's like it's land that nobody would want anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right? And like by nobody would want, they mean, you know, who are the nobodies in right, that situation. Right, right. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yikes. I'm getting, I'm getting mad and... Yeah. <laughs> We're going dark again. Yeah. Fight All right. The darkness. Fight the darkness. Um, back at base. Back at base. Okay. So the, my question has been answered. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. So back at base, they've basically uh, the guys in the tank have gone MIA. Mm-hmm. Their commanding officer is pissed, and so he sends out a crew of dudes to get them back. Or yeah, the shoot MPs them in the legs. Yeah, that's hardcore, eh? That was hardcore. Say sorry and then shoot him in the legs. Like, but National Guardsman, man. Like, I guess he figured well, they were deserting. Around. I mean, they had to they had to whip him into shape so they could go shoot people at university. Right? Isn't that what the National Guard did? Yeah. yeah. Wait, what year was that? Well, okay, so this was... The, it was... 1964 was the show. Yeah. And then, I don't know. That, no, that would have been quite a bit later. Like, in yeah. the late 60s. Yeah. Okay, so, like... A, but, like, not that much. Not that... No, like, years. five, six years later that they were shooting college yeah. students. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because you don't see a whole lot of movies about the National Guard these days. No, no. Interesting. Anyway, so, yeah. So, uh, those dudes are going to go get shoot the dudes in the leg. Um, And then it cuts back to our buddies in the tank. And, you know, they've decided to disobey orders um, and keep going up Rosebud Creek in order to find where the little bighorn happened. Um, And they go a mile up, which is where they you know, decide that that's supposed to be, uh, but there are no Indians. Mm-hmm. So they've basically like destroyed their careers. They're going to get shot in the thigh. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's no Indians and the skeptic Langsford gets really mad. Yeah. It gets really nasty like, too. Yeah. yeah. You guys this are crazy. Is, this is strictly an illusion. Yeah. He says. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and then they're like, wait, 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 no. The history says that, that uh, Major Reno found a village before the battle. So they have to find a village, right? And uh, the skeptic's like, forget it, forget it. You guys are, well, I'm getting out of here. I'm yeah. leaving the Nazis. Yeah, you're, you're so crazy, and yeah. I must be crazy too. But I'm, you know, the least crazy. I don't yeah, know. whatever. He's just yeah, an ass. He just, he, yeah, he, he hops off. Yeah, he goes off on his own. And, of course, he is the one who finds the village, which yeah. is six deserted teepees. Like, with like no, not, like, no fires not or anything. great. Not even teepees. settled. Yeah. Oh, it's um, crappy teepees. Nothing. Like, yeah. it's lo- like the, the village is just six teepees in a circle. They mm. all have open doors. Mm-hmm. The door flaps are flapping in the wind. Yeah, yeah. But they're super spooked by it. Yeah. And so he starts whistling prodigiously, like yeah. full on fingers in the mouth, just hauling at it, just whistling. Like, I, I can never whistle like that, man. I, you no, know, same. I was, I was like, I don't know, seven or something. And I, and I didn't know how to whistle. And then I came home one day and I was whistling, but like, not like, not with the pursed lips, but like through the teeth, like, Oh yeah. And my mom's like, Whoa, you learned how to whistle. That's so amazing. I'm like, yeah, this guy in the alley taught me how to whistle. (laughs) (laughs) So we were in Edmonton then because we moved, we moved out to the country when I was in grade two. Right. And And that's why you moved. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It's a, a, some bum in in the alley taught me how to whistle. Like, thanks, man. Whoever that was, that was great, because I love that now. My, my you know? mother uh, could whistle. My brother had years of orthodontia. Ah, uh, yeah. And up until his orthodontia, he could whistle like a pro, because he had this huge gap between his teeth, uh, yeah. teeth and it was adorable. <laughs> 
Uh, and so he could whistle, he could make these all these great sound effects, like yeah. he could do a great machine gun sound effect and stuff <gasps> like this. And then, you know, he got he got the whole retainer and the spacer and the braces right. and years of this horrific. And he you can know, whistle? Work. And it took him like he had to really I think he can whistle now. That's you so know, like, sad. Through his, his purse lips, yeah. but Oh, yeah, it's been a long time. That's so sad. Yeah, we were both really bummed out about I don't, it. You know, I feel some kind of way about orthodontics. You know, whatever. Anyway, um, that that's a sad story. Yeah, my brother and sister like had it pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, so he's whistling. They come over, um, and and they're like, uh, oh, it's like chasing history and trying to change it. Uh, they they stumble up and uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. So blonde dude. He's like, oh, I'll go scout yeah, out the village. The baby so, of the, the troop. Yeah, so yeah. he goes and runs over there, and, and skeptic encounters, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes back, and he's like, he's kind of like, you know, weird. And he's like, I've, I've just seen the granddaddy of mirages, and it's sticking out of my back. And he falls over, and there's an arrow on his back. Oh, yeah. Right? Because he was the scout. Just like in, you know, in, in, the, in the old days, the scout got it with the arrow in the back. He was the scout, so he got the yeah. arrow in the back. Yeah. We didn't even hear that... You know, no, that was he just, disappointing. He just walks up with it, and yeah. then we're like, "No, McCluskey, yeah. you were so young. Like, if only you'd had a few more years to go to Kent and then get shot by your own people." <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, um, not to make light of that. So they like, they they take the arrow out of his back, and they're hauling him away. Wait, did they take the arrow out? Well, because it wasn't it was, there. Okay, right. Like I made a I made a point of checking when he turned around. Like I was like, because okay. it. Cause this thing's like, this a meter long. This dude is like uh, doing pretty well, things yeah. considered. You know, he's hobbling around. You know, it didn't even like, go in that yeah. deep, right? If it's sticking out a meter long, it's it's only in there you about like four inches. The it would have snapped two off. Long. No, no, but it would have been poking out his chest, right? But I mean, maybe it hit a rib. You know what? what? No, that doesn't suddenly shrink it. It didn't shrink you know when what? it hit a this rib. This sounds a lot like math, <laughs> and I have. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll get you Too off the map. Many lady feelings to do that. Right there we go. Yeah. So they're hauling him away, and uh, and then they're okay. So then they cock their guns because they hear the Sioux, right? And yeah. and and so you can hear them war whooping and stuff. You it, it's like you can hear the battle sounds. So they're passing over the ridge with McCluskey between them. They cock their guns and they're ready to go into the battle. And then the scene changes. Yeah. And it changes really abruptly. Like it takes mm. you, it takes you a little while to like reorient yourself. Uh, and it's the army dudes who who went looking. Right, the the captain and the MP the guys. Yeah. yeah, they're walking up like through all of these tombstones, and it turns out that it's the Calvary Memorial. Right. Uh, and you know, you hear you hear the CO going, "Oh, there's no sign of the men, no sign at all." Yeah. But of course. It pans over. Yeah, you see on the cenotaph all of their names. Their names are on the cenotaph. <gasps> they Whoa. died at the battle, right? Whoa. Custer's last stand, Battle of the Little Bighorn. They died and they're on the cenotaph. How did that happen? Time and space bent. And the MPs all like, "Wow, that's that's quite a coincidence." But the captain, the captain is like, you know. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, too bad they couldn't bring the tank. That would have helped. And the MP's like, what? He's like, never mind. But he was a believer, yeah, man. He's like Mulder. He's the Mulder of yeah, this episode. He wanted to believe. Even yeah. though he was an ass, like, he was ready to believe in the Twilight Zone. That's right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess my question in this is, like, where, where are the Indians? Well, they all died because of old age later. Because that was 80 years ago. Maybe but, some arrive. Like, 
I, I mean, I think I think we covered a lot of it in terms of you know the present absence and how how cinema tends to point towards indigenous people. Maybe they're too but, cheap to like pay for anybody. But I mean, come on, it's not like indigenous people have ever made the same as white people on film. Like, let's be real. Until, yeah, but like, they very recently maybe. Yeah, no, no, but but native people were just there as a prop. I, you didn't true. need them. You just needed yeah. the sounds and the and the and the history and the and the fear. But but you gotta wonder like. Do you think, like, even if, you know, even if it was those Italians, you mm-hmm. know, with some of the red face on or whatever, like, would it have made it harder to perpetuate such a straight up kind of American history mm-hmm. propaganda version of this story? I think, I think that it would have, I, I think like many things, uh, quite often what is not seen is spookier or scarier than what you actually okay. see right plus yeah. you got to think with the budget this was like a 20 25 minute episode right yeah. and they did a whole bunch of them uh just just having the actors the horses the get up you know all i'm sure that would have cost yeah. a, a fortune and, just, and they didn't need to right they just needed to yeah. like I'm, I'm not justifying it but no but i'm, I'm just, just saying just, i think that's what went you, into you it you don't actually need to have indigenous people to have a show all about indigenous, indigenous people. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't even need to be there, yo. But neither was Custer. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Whatever. Like, they were the same. Right, so it's like, it was it was all just really equal. You yeah, know, yeah, for sure. Side. Yeah, so, it was totally equal. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you know what? You know who might be able to give us a better perspective oh, on this? Oh, you're right. We should ask Amunia. We should. Okay. And now it's time to ask Amunia. So today on Ask a Munia, we are joined by Miles Birkin-Chesterfield-Shire, who is an amateur war historian from Grimsby, and Miles actually runs a war memorabilia museum out of his garage. So Miles, the question that we have for you today is, is history truth? What's a Muniao? Would you call me there? Uh, a a Muniao just means non-native person. Non-indigenous, oh. yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I guess it's all right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you you spend a lot of time on history. Uh, do you think that what we learn about history is truth, or you know, has it been fabricated, or or maybe embroidered a little bit, perhaps uh, appliqued? I don't know, beaded. Maybe somebody put some like glitter or sequins. Sequins. On it. You guys are weird. Uh, you guys need to spend more time with the museum. See, I, I, not all history is truth. My history is truth. My museum is truth. I mean, it's not like the stuff you find out there in the universities and other academics. They don't know what truth is. But I have, yeah, right here. So, Solid. So how do people find that truth? Like, so are you saying that the, the stuff that we learn in schools is not necessarily the full story? Not even close. Could you, could you give us an example? Well, you know, I mean, like, for example, um, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, okay, so, okay, so if it's not the truth, how do people, who, how do people who are really interested in history, as you are, obviously, how did you find the truth of history? Well, I mean, you know, this, this, this all goes back to, like, back when I, I first started to open the museum, and I was like, well... I, I was I was in a bar actually, and I was I was playing poker, and I was just I was cleaning this guy out. I mean, this guy was just worthless at cards. Like he had no clue whatsoever. And he actually owned this museum before I did. Oh. And he, he actually lost to me in a in a in a card game, and that's that's how I got the museum. And I make a pretty decent chunk of change out of here. So, 
Uh, I mean, that's history that's true. I mean, like... Wait, what? Do you know when the Indian Act was, uh, was made into legislation? Do you know when that came to pass? Uh, I think I think I have an exhibit about it somewhere in the back there. I mean, do we could go take a look. I, I could give you a tour. You'll have to pay. Okay. Okay. I'm when, sorry. When did Canada become a country? Wait, wait, wait I'm in Canada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Thank you, Miles. Miles. Thank you. Can I ask Mister Mr. Hay to Miles Burke in Chesterfield Shire? Uh, the amateur war historian who shared his amateur war history with us. Um, so we would like to gift uh, Miles with an Indian name. Miles, please take this name and carry it with honor and don't lose it in poker. Your Indian name is He Wins History. Aho. All right. So as we like to do always at this time is we're going to rate the Twilight Zone episode that we watched. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, we are going to rate it out of Invisible Indians, or alternatively, Absent Aboriginals. So, five Invisible Indians means the show was incredible, you would recommend it to all of your friends, you'd watch it every single day, you love it a ton. One Invisible Indian was, it's terrible, it's on par with X-Files or Star Trek, <laughs> uh, you never want to see it again. <laughs> so, uh, Chelsea, how many Invisible Indians would you give this episode today? <sighs> well, hmm, you know, I think I'm going to give it a three. Uh, three Invisible Indians because that, you know, honestly, that, that, that one comment really turned the tide for me. Where he's saying, you know, careful for all the Indians there. They have college degrees and they're out testing the soil or whatever. Like that assumption that any Native Americans that you're going to run into in 1964 are going to be educated and doing something scientific and modern, right? Yeah, that was... How sad is that, though, that that one throwaway comment is like, yeah. But, um... I, I found the the history interesting. I, I like the fact that it didn't they didn't get really racist about it. Um, you know, the, of course, this was a narrative of of white America, right? But the guy wasn't. Never were they like, oh, Custer was so great and everything. It was so horrible what happened to him. Nah, they didn't do that. And uh, I mean, it would have been a lot better. I don't know. Would it have better been better if there were native people that actually showed up in this? I think it might have been worse. So maybe the fact that they just didn't go there also tipped the scale for me to a three. And this just wasn't as awful. I wasn't angry. Uh, I mean, I got angry and we started talking about like other things outside, you know, like issues around this, but the show didn't make me angry. Uh, so yeah, three. Right. Three um, invisible Indians. I, I honestly, like, I kind of have a hard time rating this because I think I'm, I'm, my opinion is being really colored by the last two episodes we watched, which mm-hmm. were just fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I actually have a lower opinion of this episode than you do, but I'm going to rate it a three and a half Invisible Indians. Okay. Uh, and here's why. The more I think about it, the creepier and spookier it gets, Mm -hmm. but not in the way that it wants to be creepy and spooky. Yeah. This, like, because we've, we've talked about the idea of present absence of indigenous peoples before. We talked about it in Comic Con and we Mm -hmm. talked about it in the Supernatural Wendigo episode, but this was just it was so there you know it was there was nothing subtle about it yeah and like just the the straight erasure you know like where like you know you asked kind of it would it be better if there were actual indigenous people or mm-hmm. it's like non-indigenous actors playing indigenous yeah, people. yeah yeah and like i to a certain extent i have to say like i think it would have been better yeah because at least 
you know, we would have been shown as alive human beings that exist. Instead of ghosts. Instead of, yeah. 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 Instead of, you know, just these kind of invisible spirits that kind of just exist in the wind to spook you in these empty teepees with the flapping right right you know flapping door flaps mm-hmm. in the wind and stuff you know that was that is spooky it was spooky it was definitely like that, spooky you know that it, episode i think is like to a certain extent you know it's it's meant to kind of you know play upon a lot of like white guilt and white ambitions yeah but i think for like indigenous people watching the show it it kind of it should be terrifying yeah you know? like, it scared me in a way that i don't think that the audience it was intended yeah. for would be scared yeah yeah and then yeah just kind of the the kind of you know they don't exactly worship this, this idea of a white hero but you can mm-hmm. have a self-sacrificing white people who go to die with custer yeah 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 they yeah. know they're yeah. likely to die you know right. et cetera, et cetera. but you know that being said like i i agree with you like this episode had a lot of you know really good points like it didn't rely on a lot of the the kind of stereotypes that that we've seen um you know there were no almost flutes there were no you yeah know, like animal transformations there was there was none of that and then mm. you know people seem to have a generally really good opinion of indigenous peoples in the show do you think that it's, it's just, better to have no representation versus bad reputation like like distorted representation i mean because I kind of feel I that guess. way. Like, I'd rather... If you can't do it right, just don't fucking do it. But the thing you is, know? is, like, Indigenous people are still being represented. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're just, like, indirectly. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, if we're talking about no representation, that means there's just no... No film. Right. About Indigenous people. But no, like... But I mean, like... Like, okay, so there's, there's a representation of them, like, historically... But there's not like a visual of them with you know, and it, and it would be cheesy, right? It would be totally yeah. cheesy. Like I kind of, I, I would, I prefer to like not even see them on screen, than see them in that like the Italians with the dark face, you know, like with, yeah. But that's just. Me. I don't know. I like honestly, this just it seems like a no-win situation. Yeah, yeah. True. That being said, like I honestly, I think there were like a lot of positives to this episode, and it did leave me creeped out, which yep. you told me was the point. There you go. So yeah, three, three and a half uh, invisible Indians. Um, I guess what else we need to do? I guess uh, the other thing is, you know, we're on we're on Indian Cowboy, this media network, uh, and we encourage you to go go to the website IndianCowboy.com. Uh, check out check out another podcast. You know, like there's I think there's like six on there or something. So like there's a lot of like badass indigenous content for you to check out and get spooked out by some of the stories from the land. Yeah, right. That the polar bear story was spooky. That man. polar bear story was incredible. Yeah, those stories have been absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. The the scary beaver and the skunks. Uh, uh, who did right. that one, I don't know. Somebody somebody yeah, crazy. I, I don't know. Like I gotta say like. I think we do pretty important stuff, if I do say so myself. <laughs> but stories from the land is is yeah, it's pretty amazing. great. Yeah. yeah, and you guys should be submitting stories. I hope mm-hmm. everybody is is thinking back to some great event uh, out on the land and shares that because yeah. we and definitely want to hear they that. Make it clear too that like even if you're disconnected from the land that you're mm-hmm. on or you're not currently living there or whatever, like please still t- still submit something. You know, yeah. like, you're always on land. Even if it's not your own. And like, I'm sure that everybody has stories about living where they're living. So, so do the thing. And, uh, and thank you very much for joining us tonight on Métis in Space, 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 Space. Space. Métis in Space.